this is Bernard Fraser, and you're listening to The Essence of Cool. When journalists write about Selena Martin's music, they use words like masterful, genius, profound, and superb. And I would agree with every single one, only venturing to add breathtaking. Such is the case for her latest album, Time Spent Swimming, which explores the art of songwriting and production in ways that most artists never imagine. She's been compared to David Byrne, St. Vincent, Eno, and Bjork. And in very David Bowie-esque fashion, she says art is about taking risks. In this episode, we explore those risks as we take a very deep dive into one of the most remarkable albums I've heard in decades. Fasten your seatbelts, and let's get started. Selena Martin, welcome to The Essence of Cool. Thank you, Bernard. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so great to see your face as we were talking off air. It's been about four years, and uh, uh, I think about you a lot. You know that? That's lovely to hear. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All good things, by the way. All good things. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, congratulations on time spent swimming. It is... um, truly a breathtaking album thank you i'm i'm so glad you like it it seems to me that uh other people who are also musicians are the ones who uh get i don't i want i was gonna say get the most out of it but they're the ones who seem to appreciate my albums and this one in particular the most well probably because um we can certainly hear how much effort must have gone into it. Hmm. But we're going to get to that in a little bit. I don't I don't want to spoil the, the conversation because we're going to dive in deep, as they say, or as uh, you said, actually, it's a line from one of your songs. So as I said, we're going to talk about it in detail later on. But I again, I, I just wanted to express on how many levels this album really moved me. It really is remarkable. You're Canadian. Yeah. You're originally from, as we talked about, a few kilometers from where I'm speaking to you right now. Uh, you also lived in my hometown, Toronto, for many, many years. Yeah. And then in 2018, you moved to France. Yeah. And you said it, you did it to experience loneliness. Was that to inform the creative process? Uh, uh, uh Yeah, uh, pretty much everything I do is to inform the creative process or to make music in some way uh yeah experiencing loneliness wasn't something i wanted to do for fun i think um even though i was already accustomed to a certain level of solitude regardless of the fact that i lived in toronto for 25 years before moving here there's a lot of people in toronto i don't know if you knew that but there's a lot of people there And I had lots of friends and great community there, but it's uh, it's easy to be uh, to feel alone anywhere. It's a bit of a state of mind. But I knew that leaving, saying goodbye to my friends and my community and my family who weren't in Toronto but in Ontario, um, 
was going to open up the possibility for me to explore solitude um, and loneliness sort of on a different level, being across a, an ocean um, just sort of on my own. You know, I didn't come with anyone. I came by myself over here. Uh, and I, I wasn't afraid of it. I just thought I would see uh, see where it might take me creatively, you know, in terms of my the lyrics, in terms of the thoughts behind the um, the content of the songs, um, and as and and in terms of also what other influences might come musically, you know, sonically, from just pulling myself out of the Toronto music scene. And putting myself in a music scene, which is decidedly not my scene over here. Um, but also, there's a lot of cool things that have, that I think were influential just from being in a different culture, you know. I want to read a quote. Mm -hmm. um, if you feel safe in the area you're working in, you're not working in the right area. Always go a little further into the water than you feel you're capable of being in. Go a little bit out of your depth, and when you don't feel that your feet are quite touching the bottom, you're just about in the right place to do something exciting. <laughs> That's David Bowie. Oh, great. I didn't know that one. That's yeah. cool. Is that what you did? Uh, that felt like a very perfect quote. Yeah, that, I didn't know David Bowie said that. That's brilliant. Um, yeah. That's what I wanted. That was my aim. And I don't I don't like uh I was going to say I don't like coziness, but it sounds weird because, you know, when it's cold and wintry, everybody loves coziness and coziness is very comfortable and nice, but in terms of creating art or um music uh, musical art, whatever you want to call it, I don't think coziness leads to uh exploration or you know the desire to f search uh comfort isn't helpful in term for evolution you can things have to be a little bit uncomfortable in order for things in order to, otherwise why would you search why do you right. you know uh, discontent i i'm chronically not content which is um a drag sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Because, <laughs> like, you know, wouldn't it be nice to just relax and be happy? But um, I believe that I believe that all of nature is discontent. I, I mean, I think that's the nature of the world. You, you have to, uh, you, it, growth happens, death happens, decay happens, regrowth happens. It's all part of moving forward. And you have to be a little bit discontented to uh, to break form formulas or to try and nudge the edges of the envelope or whatever extent um, you want to try and change things or inspire change or um, yeah. Can you give me some specific examples of how? you felt that loneliness and that sense of discontentment impacted your songwriting? All 
I, I'm not sure if 100% of the lyrical content of the songs, but a very high percentage of the lyrical content of the songs on Time Spent Swimming is, a, is about being alone and longing for something um, that you don't have, which is maybe the case for all pop music. I don't know. But, um, uh, but some of it's very blatant some of it's very blatantly um, about that lyrically. Um, but all each song is quite different from its predecessor. So um, uh, so it's not always just the same sort of sentiment. It's sort of looking at it from a bunch of different angles. Um, in terms of, like, the songwriting, it was such a strange process for me, the making of this album... Um, the songwriting happened before the recording and arranging happened, and it was all done just solo on acoustic guitar initially, but I knew it wasn't going to be a solo acoustic guitar record, of course. I had all these sounds in my head and uh, that I wanted and, and lots of sounds that weren't in my head that I had to find. Um, but I think having the time to myself... Away from my musical peers, for example, away from uh, all the influences that I feel from Canada and not feeling super connected to the French music scene, um, and I'm still not. Even though I felt quite isolated, I think it gave me the opportunity to really just do exactly my own thing, like to be as true as possible under the circumstances to my own vision without very much outside influence in fact can you tell me about that those first couple of weeks or months in france just as an individual as a human being what was that like The, the whole first year there was a lot of uh um i i wasn't able to settle um i wasn't able to unpack for eight months I was in limbo for so long. Like I had said goodbye to everybody in Canada. I had given away or sold most of my possessions. And I came over with two suitcases. I would go back and forth to Canada and come back with another suitcase full of things. Like this this time I brought this guitar. This time I brought this synthesizer. This time I, you know, the things that were stored at my sister's in her basement. Um, but I still couldn't unpack because I wasn't, um, it took me eight months to be, have a, my paperwork so that I had a residence permit here. I didn't know, I had no idea. I had no idea how complicated it was to get that stuff sorted. And I wasn't, and at the same time, and I wasn't allowed to have an apartment in France. I, 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 I had no idea also how complicated that was. They don't want to rent to foreigners. Most uh, I could have rented a furnished place, but I didn't uh, want a furnished place. I wanted to have my own. I wanted to make my own nest because I knew I was alone, and I knew the only comfort I wanted to have a place that I came home to that felt like mine, my little nest. <laughs> so I wanted an unfurnished place, and I found and and I wanted to furnish it, even though it's much more work than just getting a furnished place and boom, you're in. Um, 
anyway, it took a really, it took, it took much longer than a few weeks or months. It took almost an entire year to get, um, to get the paperwork done and to get the apartment finally and to get it furnished and to actually unpack. So I was living out of a small suitcase. I had my big suitcases in storage here and other things in storage in Canada. It was a really, really, really long time of limbo. Mm. Um, it was to the point where I think I lost my uh, marbles, as they say, like more than once. <laughs> I was just like, when can I land like I took off but I haven't been able to land so yeah the first year was quite um distressing I was buzzing on this weird um uh I was I was my vibrating at a very high frequency for that whole first year because I wasn't allowed to unpack or land yeah I'll bet. so I just sort of kept going <laughs> I ended up making a couple of friends <laughs> the people that I bought most of my furniture from, because I kept going back. I found a place where I could get used, antique, really beautiful stuff, because I don't like real uh, shopping for anything new. I'm not. I'm an anti-consumer. But I, I, and I, anyway, I found these people. They had all this discarded stuff from auctions. They, and so I kept going back and back and back to their place. And then they invited me for dinner and then they, uh -huh. and then we became friends. So that was nice. And they drove me home with everything I bought and I carried it up the stairs. <laughs> it was really nice. <laughs> I needed it at that point. Um, let's uh, let's dive into time spent swimming. Mm -hmm. I mean this sincerely. It really is one of the most remarkable albums, honestly speaking, I've ever heard. Wow, thank you. D did you know how special it was when you were recording it? Uh, no, no. And in fact, before um, right, it was released um, at the end of November. Uh, and the whole 2022 leading up to the release, um, which at which like the beginning of the year, the record was finished. It just took me a long time to release it because of various things. Um, but I started to really be riddled with self-doubt about it. I thought I, I couldn't listen to it. I'd listen to it a lot, of course. <laughs> and I had heard it quite a lot at that point. And um, I started to doubt everything. I started to think that I'd spent all this time and, and money making something that everyone was going to hate. That uh, my brain went there for a while, and then, and then I, w I got a bit depressed. So anyway, but so it's been very, um, really extremely um, heartening. Is that a word? Sometimes I feel like I've lost my English. It, to mm -hmm. to know that uh, to hear um, some of the really nice um, response to the album since I released it. But yeah, no, when I started making it, I, I was just on a bit of a mission. Um, I, the aim is always to evolve and as an artist. And um, 
but I was writing songs, some of which that seemed very old-fashioned uh, in terms of their structure. And uh, but I decided no, I I decided to keep all the songs that I that I wrote that I wanted to keep for the album. I was nervous it wasn't going to be cohesive enough. I was nervous um, that some of the electronic sounds would be off-putting to some people, which they probably are. Some people like only acoustic instruments. That's fine. But um, as f anyway, it was an experiment, you know, putting all these disparate elements together, trying to make everything uh, work together um, in terms of acoustic instruments, electronic instruments, and synths and real synths, fake synths, just mani sound manipulating. I think all sounds are game. I don't care what what the source of the sound is. If it, if you like the way it sounds and if it fits, if the song wants it, then the song gets it. It's the song who's the boss, ultimately. Once mm -hmm. I've finished writing the song, the song tells me everything else it needs, mostly. Um... And yeah, so I know I was quite, I was, I had no idea. I had no idea if it was going to be too weird, uh, if it was going to be too normal. I, I like, seriously, no clue. Mm. I, I live in a bit of a self-created bubble. Mm. So um, without any feedback for so long, like all artists had, like all people had in during COVID, um, because you don't, get to play and you don't get to see if anybody likes anything. It was all just a bit of a crapshoot. It just sort of, I mean, it wasn't a crapshoot. I trust my instincts. I think at this point in my career, I, I, I'm thankfully, that's something I can trust. I can trust my instincts yeah. and, and just keep working till I'm happy. I want to read uh, part of your description of the album. Mm -hmm. uh, you say, fuses organic instrumentation, samples, field recordings, physical synths, as well as plugins, plus vocal improvisation in a buoyant expansion of genres that could be described as electro post rock or singer songwriter art pop. It doesn't sound like anything you've heard before, yet there are hooks in almost every song. Uh, I agree with everything you've said there. Uh, did you Had you planned for the type of album it would be, or did that kind of evolve? Uh, no, I didn't plan anything. It evolved, definitely. Um, and yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea what was going to happen. Initially, the album was going to be recorded in a studio, like a normal album would be oh. recorded. I had a studio booked in Spain, I had uh, two, I had a drummer and a bass player, a drummer in Ireland and a bass player in Poland. Uh, this was pre-pandemic when I thought I could do anything, you know, and it was, and sometimes you can get cheap flights in, within Europe, so, but actually I was going to also, I was going to use, no, I'm wrong, I was going to use a drummer in Berlin. Anyway, I had the studio booked, I had the flights booked, uh, I had... Um, Alex Gamble, who co-created the album with me remotely from Toronto, he sort of, he, uh, we had sessions together every week for two years almost. Um, he was flying to Spain 
And then we had to cancel everything because then the pandemic came. So, and I went, and then suddenly I found myself back in Canada because our Prime Minister Trudeau said, Canadians come home now while the borders mm -hmm. are not, while there are still flights available. And yeah, borders were closing and flights were being canceled left, right and center. So I, within a week I was home uh, at my sister's place um, just with a little suitcase in the, and, uh, and I canceled the studio. I canceled the flights. Um, and all I had was my demos and I had made really, really, um, I had made the best demos I've ever made. I made really elaborate demos because I knew we wouldn't have a lot of time to rehearse the band because everyone was coming from different countries. So I made demos I made the best demos I've made so that I could really uh, get the feelings of the song across. So it'd be easy for people to understand what I was going for. And the demos were just made, I don't know, guitar, voice, and a few little synth sounds here and there. But I, I had a meeting with Alex Gamble, who was now, uh, at that time, I was back in Canada and we were in the same time zone again. And I was near Ottawa and he was in Toronto and... Uh, I said, can we just, can we just make the album anyway? Like, I, can we just make it? And he's, uh, he was the perfect partner for me on this project because for him, everything is possible and he just figures out how to do it. He's like, yeah, okay, okay, let's have sessions. Let's have weekly sessions and every week I would I would send him I would refine 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 my demos until they were as good as I could make them uh, with what I had, and then I'd send him one multi-track and he would import all the tracks into his software and then we'd have a screen share, four or five hours a week, and then between our sessions I would go back to work uh, and work again all week and then we'd have another meeting and work and so so the album was made that way um and it took a really really long time it wasn't the one week of a studio in spain that right. it's supposed to be well selena martin could never record an album in a week anyway so you're absolutely <laughs> right about that but maybe so the beds would have been done Right, so maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, knowing a bit about your process, because as you well know, I'm endlessly fascinated by your process. Um, and I know that in the beginning, you kind of write your song in a more traditional sense, mm. but then you start this process of disassembling and reassembling and disassembling and reassembling. Your demos, were your demos done in a more conventional way or had you already started that process of, Futzing of, of of disassembling and moving things around and uh, <laughs> I I had I'd already already done started that with the demos for sure for sure I just I guess I just like it I like doing it I like I like I like manipulating things in in the studio or in whatever type of studio you have it's it's fun. It's uh, you can take things that were here and put them there, or you can take things that were two seconds long and make them a millisecond long and then loop it. And then, you know, there's a, there's so, there are countless things you can do. It's endless. 
the, the potential. I want to read another quote of yours. Hmm? Um, you say, I believe in the interconnectivity of all things. It feels very natural to collide and combine elements. I also believe you have to take risks in order to make art. You have to search your surroundings and your psyche. You have to think and feel deeply while you were searching. And you have to make mistakes. Otherwise, you don't learn anything and nobody grows. Which to me is a very Brian Eno approach. Um, both the idea of colliding, combining elements, and the, the concept of embracing your mistakes. What were some of the mistakes you made that really contributed to this album, do you think? Well, first of all, that's... That, that's um, I take that as a big compliment that that's also a Brian Eno approach. I, Of course, I've heard the name Brian Eno a million times in my career, but I, I have to be honest, I don't own any Brian Eno recordings, and I don't... I know he's famous, but I don't really know his oeuvre. So uh, anyway, I think... Thank you, that's cool. Um, what are What are some of the mistakes... Now I have to think of specific songs, like, and and look at the tracks, like, or, or sometimes actually now I'm thinking of something when I was when I, for example, if when I was doing a session with Alex, a remote session, like you and I are doing sort of right now, we both have headphones on, we both see each other, but then we would also be sharing the screen of Alex's um, uh, recording software. Sometimes, like, I would say, like, I, Alex had be better, uh, he's a much better audio engineer than I am. That's what he does. He's a super pro. Um, so I would bring a track to him and say, like, I, I don't, I can't do this on my own, but can we make it sound sort of like, uh, and then you try and, you know, talking about music is... <laughs> like dancing about architecture didn't somebody say something like that although i think dancing about architecture could look pretty cool actually i think that's entirely possible anyway i would try to describe to alex what i wanted and then he so he would go hmm okay let's try this let's try this let's try this and all kinds of like uh, Sometimes things w would sound completely wrong but then or like, you know, the certain way, of, let's say it's a vocal track we, and we morph it in so that it sounds like something different. Um, but then we, we would keep working with it until, like, put it in a sample randomizer, for example, where it takes, where this plugin takes your sound and chops it into pieces in a completely random way. And then you've got... You can grab any of these pieces and use them as a sample and then do whatever you want with that. We did in Tangier, you know, the very first sound we hear in Tangier, it's sort of like, a, that is actually uh, something I recorded in Tangier just on my mobile phone. That's the prayer, the beginning of a call to prayer. thought that's what it was actually ah, good i <laughs> wanted to be a little bit wrecking anyway it was a, i was walking around the first time i heard it my jaw dropped i was like what is this 
awesome sound. I had no idea. I was, I thought it was everybody in town was suddenly riding their <laughs> moped lawnmowers around. I, it was such a strange sound. <laughs> well, it's those, it's those really shitty tinny speakers that they use to send out the call to prayer, right? Yeah. And because it, it got this very odd sort of tinny sound. Here. <laughs> anyway, I was walking around trying to be like at a good distance to record. Just anyway, I recorded. I recorded that on my just on my mobile, and then I sent it to Alex, and I said, "Can we make this into something?" And I didn't think it was going to start the song, but <laughs> we had it in the bridge of the song in a couple of places, and then and then I said, "Let's just throw it at the beginning and see how it feels." And then it stayed. So there are a hundred thousand little accidents like this that happened, you know. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, like, the a, qu- there would be a little, like, a clap, a little clapping thing, like, in your face goes along a little clapping thing that I'm like, that's terrible. Why did I do that? But then it would just, then all you have to do is shift it into the right place and remove one clap, and then it somehow it works. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. But it begs the question, there's so much chopping up and and screwing with it. Mm. How do you know when it's done? Yeah, I don't know. I I think my friend Michael Philip Voivoda, maybe this is maybe a quote from him. And if it's not his quote, it easily could be because he's, he's so good at applying metaphors to describe things. But he says sometimes you sometimes you drive past the house, right? right. Sometimes right. you drive past the house. Right. You've gone too far, uh, and I think I drove past the house a lot on this record because I it was COVID and I was recording and recording was the only thing that kept me sane as a musician during that time. I, I couldn't perform. I was finished writing. I, I, so whatever. I was recording, and it made me feel feel like a musician still. So this was very helpful. And I drove past the house on a number of songs, but I think for this very reason, if I can continue the metaphor, I drove past the house. So instead of turning around and going back, I went around the block. And then when you go around the block, maybe you pick up some extra things to bring to the house. You know, so I think it actually, because I had the time to do it, um, which I'm very grateful for, uh, I think it actually enriched things. And then once I got around the block and back to the house, that's when you go, okay, now it's finished. Now this song's, I know there's a hundred tracks on this song. No more. Let, let's no. Do, let's uh, talk about some of the tracks specifically. And you had mentioned Tan, you had mentioned Tangier, yeah. which is a place that I have also visited. Cool. Uh, but you were there for uh, four weeks or so. I was only there for a couple of days. Mm. What? Tell me about that experience, because for me, it was such culture shock. Yeah. Europe is one thing, but the north north of Africa is so completely different. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. Uh, I went to Tangier because, as I mentioned earlier, um, getting my paperwork to be legal here um, in France took a long time. And I discovered very last minute I was about to be an illegal alien and I had to leave uh, the Schengen zone of Europe. And I... I wasn't ready to go back to Canada because it felt a little bit like 
going in the wrong direction, if you know what I mean. Like I felt like, oh, no, it's too soon. I, I'm just uh, so I. I could have gone to Ireland, but I didn't know anybody yet in Ireland. Um, I decided to go to ten. I decided to go to Morocco, and it was a temporary thing. Um, I, 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 my brother had a friend in the south of Spain who had a friend in Tangier who had a place where I could stay. It wasn't cheap. I think I was charged euro prices, not Moroccan prices, that's for sure. <laughs> and um, But anyway, yeah, I went um, for four weeks uh, and I stayed in Tangier. I didn't travel around Morocco. I wasn't a tourist. It wasn't my aim to be there and travel around and see the desert and ride a camel. Even though I've had friends go to Tangier since and to Morocco since, and I'm like, oh, why didn't I do any of those things? I had so much time. But I didn't have time. I actually was working. I was, it took a, re, I rented a guitar, which is a completely not normal concept in Morocco. You do not rent things. Right. You buy them. You buy them. So in order to rent a guitar, I had to get <laughs> my friend... Uh, it was putting me up to drive me around in the car for an hour and a half to negotiate. This is a shitty little guitar with broken tuning pegs, like a real piece of shit guitar. And I was like, okay, listen, you get money for the guitar and then you get it back. You, you win. You can sell it later. It's, you, it's a win-win for you. Anyway, they, they couldn't... I finally got this shitty guitar... Um, but it was really baffling to them because it's just not their culture. Everything takes f 10 times longer than it does in France. In, in North Africa, like just everything is more complicated and everything takes 10 times longer in France than it does in Canada. It's just the culture. It just, you just have to, normally I'm not a very patient person, <laughs> so <laughs> It was hard, uh, but yeah, and I was there alone as a solo female, um, and I felt, and I wanted to explore, but I didn't want to feel uncomfortable, and uh, walking around after dark felt uncomfortable to me, and um, just because I didn't know the culture, I didn't know, and also the rules are different here, like in France, when you meet someone, you do the cheek kiss thing but in Morocco and men do it but women and men it's different it's different I, I I didn't know what the rules were I don't think I'm allowed to touch a male person in Morocco unless right. I'm married <laughs> or something so I didn't know what the rules were because I, I decided to go and I went within about five days and I stayed yeah I just wanted to stay as long as I could and absorb as much as I could and you know, just do my grocery shopping like a local and make, and I, and I met a couple of people. I found, I gradually found, like I found a little music store. I was like, oh, cool. And I met some guys there who invited me over for cake and juice and to jam mm -hmm. because people normally don't drink there. You have cake and juice, lots yes. of sugar, <laughs> no alcohol, but lots and lots of sugar. Everybody's teeth are terrible. Ah, well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it comes with uh, like five packs of sugar to put in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, eventually I did find a bar. It was like a long, long walk from where I was staying. 
And they had a guy playing um, playing a, a key, an organ keyboard synth thing in the corner and um, singing just, you know, Arabic pop music. I wish I was there with a local who I could spend more time with, who could take me around, because I was really just sort of stumbling about on my own. Um, I wish I was more comfortable in the evening walking around by myself. I did it. And there was lots of families out at night, you know, lots of family, but I, lots of kids out at like 11 o'clock at night. But I had to walk down this walled alley where there was only armed guards because I had to walk past the king's house to get past, to get to where I was staying. But, and my host was like, oh, you'll be fine. Don't worry. There's all armed guards there. But armed guards actually don't make me comfortable mm. at all. It's the opposite. Those are the people who could mm. very easily rape you. Very, very, yeah. very easily. This is not comfortable. So I made a point of saying hello to every single guard <laughs> I saw every single time I walked by. <laughs> bonjour, bonjour, bonsoir, bonsoir. One of the things I love about your Bandcamp page is that you're, um, specifically uh, the Bandcamp page for Time Spent Swimming, is that you've got uh, little descriptions before every song, which is wonderful. And I want to read uh, part of what you wrote for Tangier. He said, the song is about desire to lose oneself and about unattainable love. It's about not wanting to leave Tangier and wanting to disappear. And it compares Tangier to a lover, uh, to a lover I want but cannot have. When you say wanting to disappear, what do you mean? Uh, when I was there, I felt like I could disappear. It's the last, it's almost the last line of the song too. Let me, let me, let me disappear. Uh, I could do it here. <laughs> um, it's a little bit like when you leave Western culture, I guess. Um, it's like you're invisible. Like if I was living in Africa or India or Asia, maybe not Japan, but... Um, or Hong Kong, but you know, I, I, I it's a little bit like a, a an exciting little f fantasy almost. Like, oh, I could just, I could just disappear. I, I actually like the idea of disappearing. Um, who was it? Paul Bowles, the poet in the fifties, sixties, went to live in Tangier and just stayed there, you know. And then gradually, people, his beat poet friends, went to hang out with him because, you know, life was cheap and you could live for a long time on poet's wages. And the society is constructed, you know. North American society is a construct. Somebody invented it. It's not, it's not the way things have to be. It's just the way things happen to be. Um, mm. And Tangier, as you mentioned... It's like a you you had a bit of culture shock. Like it's it's the most foreign place I have been, and I know there are places way way more different from Tangier is actually incredibly international because it's right at that Strait of Gibraltar where there's so much trade and there's lots of people from all over the world. And Tangier used to be very, very multicultural and very, very welcoming, apparently. Regardless, it's still the most foreign place I have been. And uh, even though they speak French, sort of, it's a very different type of French. But um, I don't know why. Why, 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 
why is it appealing to to disappear I, I sometimes I don't want to be part of society you know <laughs> I don't it, it's um, a remarkable song and uh, really does make a statement as the first song on the album it really <laughs> lets you know that this album is you know, going to be something completely different something you've never heard before yeah which I absolutely love uh, I want to talk about two stories the ground on your Bandcamp page, this is a true story. I was messed up in Ireland. In the 300-year-old farmhouse my friend used to rent from a messed up guy who used to spy a bit, but had cows and sheep and everything was so green and rich. There were two stories, as in two floors. There were also two stories. How were you messed up? I got too lonely. This At this point, when I went to Ireland... Uh, this was the point when I was over here and things had g- gone. I went too f- I got too deep, too much out of my depth. It was a bit scary, actually. I, I felt a little bit out of control. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to get into too much personal detail, but it was just like uh, this was a point at which I, yeah, I didn't feel like I was really in control of my emotions. I felt incredibly uh, too vulnerable. I think vulnerability is um, a very important thing that you have to uh, guard as an artist. You have to hang on to your vulnerability. You have to leave your heart and your brain open. Uh, so it's a bit scary and a little bit dangerous, but I, I, I went a bit too far and I felt too vulnerable. And um, I started writing this song in that two-story, 300-year-old farmhouse. The walls were like six feet thick. It was incredible. It was The place looked huge from the outside, oh, wow. but the walls were so thick. <laughs> it wasn't that big <laughs> on the inside. And it was sort of freezing because the hard to heat in the cold, in the damp, the dampness of Ireland. And I did love the cows and the sheep. That felt like home for me. And that was very something that I found comforting in this time when I wasn't comfortable. And um, I started writing it upstairs in this little room that I had to work in, which was amazing. I had a little bit of a writing retreat almost there. And um, I had rented a I had rented a synthesizer. That's right. I had rented a synthesizer. I almost forgot. And it was making all these really cool sounds. It was like a sub fatty of. But it was sort of the next generation. I can't even remember what type of synthesizer, but I fell in love with it, but it was really expensive, so I couldn't buy it. Um, but I started making the just the rhythm of that. The song opens... I actually play guitar on the recording. It's actually guitar, but I it's sped up. You know, it's quadruple time. <laughs> and... Uh, but it is my guitar doing it. But I couldn't play that, obviously, with my guitar. I can't play quadruple time. 
Um, so I sort of found that sound on a synth and then I figured out how to make it afterwards for the recording on using my guitar and studio tricks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I was, I was extremely messed up. It took months to uh, sort of recover from that months and months. A lot of connection and disconnection, maybe more of the disconnection and connection I found in the album and some really heartbreaking lyrics too. I want to talk about uh, Since You're Gone, which I noticed this morning uh, Paul Corby of uh, Roots Music Canada has used for his In Memoriam of 2022 and an absolutely beautiful melding of the visuals and your your gorgeous song. Heartbreaking as fuck, but, but beautiful. Um, but I want to read some of the lyric of that, uh, that song. I have waited for you in this home that's my heart. There are flowers in the rooms all the days were apart. I'm away now, you said as you walked out the door. Be good to those you love. They keep hold of who you are. Did the water welcome you? Was it colder on your skin? Were they sweeter, the bird songs? Things you'll never hear again. Since you're gone, I need to reach you. What is the story behind that lyric? Um, I wrote that song when a friend of mine, uh, Rob Carson, who was in my very first band, uh, he, he lives now in upstate New York, he, he told me about um, a singer in a band from Scotland, a band called Frightened Rabbit. Um, the singer's name was Scott Hutchison. He killed himself, and uh, he did it by walking into the ocean and not walking out. And um, I didn't know the band. I didn't know him. But I just, something about it struck me, and I started just looking online um, to see what I could read about him. And um, I got really sad. I got really sad. I found it very heartbreaking. And I started thinking about all the people uh, that I know and people who are too fragile for the world, you know. And um, mm -hmm. and so uh, and I, when I was writing this song, I was crying like I'm serious. I was crying while I was writing it. And it takes me a long time to write songs. It took months to write this song. And I was every time I went to it, I would be weeping. Even when I had the eureka moments of going, yeah, this is perfect verse here. Good. I was crying. And, and, and I was like, I will never be able to perform this. <laughs> I will never, ever be able to sing this song. What the fuck? So, um... Anyway, I I I, uh, I can totally sing this song now. It's fine. It's amazing what practice can do for you. But uh, I I just I was just thinking about this guy, this guy I didn't know, and 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 thinking about loss and thinking about how sig how significant it is. 
all all of us little humans running around on this planet you know how heavy it is when 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 somebody passes away um and they're not there anymore yeah. and uh and i also just sort of used it a bit as a metaphor for my own just for longing in general for like waiting for someone like waiting for somebody to come home like waiting you know all the waiting that i had been doing and that we've all done like all just waiting is a little bit metaphorical as well in that in that regard there are i've i've compared you or your work to artists like saint vincent uh, bjork jane sibbery bowie talking heads even scott walker do you mind these comparisons do you think they're valid i i i'm I'm greatly flattered by all of these comparisons. I think um, I have a lot of respect for all those artists you mentioned, so I'm very flattered. It's thank you. Uh, I don't mind these comparisons at all. Do I think they're valid? Um, I've had the Bjork comparison of quite a bit on the last two albums, this one and my last one. And I, oh, I was always confused by it because I think Bjork is much more experimental than I am. I think she goes way further in terms of, well, she's from a different place. She's from a tiny island in the middle of the Atlantic or the North Sea or wherever Iceland is. Her melodies, for example, are just like, I'm still a, I'm still a sucker for something that sounds hooky to my ears. Mm. You know, I, I like I like messing with the idea of hooks and uh, but still making them hooky like but she's yeah she comes from she comes from a very different culture and has and I and I see her as far more experimental than I am so I, I when people compare me to Bjork I'm like what and what why do they keep comparing me to Bjork like she's way more outside but I one recently I started wondering if it's maybe because uh she definitely has her own voice you know she sounds like herself and nobody else and and maybe maybe because i i think i i have my own voice as well to a certain extent maybe that's what what the comparison is i don't know i think too there aren't that many people in the pop world that experiment in that way that are uh hmm. feel able to experiment that deeply and so because there are so few to pick from you're kind of in that that cadre you know, there's a little David Byrne, a little Bjork, uh, a little St. Vincent. I Okay, well, I, I'll take it. Like, I, uh, yeah, I love those comparisons. I mean, I so at the beginning of my career, people would just compare me to any female singer, it seemed to me. Like, <laughs> Alanis Morissette, oh, yeah. I'm like, really? Because I'm Canadian and I'm a female, is that all you need? For or someone a long time ago said Lorena McKinnett or and I'm like, What? What? And then who's the other one? Um Cheryl Crow. And I'm like Really? Yeah, really. So I don't know. People need to compare you to people. I didn't like any comparisons at the beginning because I thought, no, just Listen to the music. You don't have to make it like this or like that. Just listen to the music. But I understand 
of course, this is what the brain does. The brain, the brain needs to make comparisons. It's natural, particularly among music journalists, because they have to pigeonhole. They have to describe. So that's the easiest、mm. way to describe is to compare.、Right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. There are, of course, many avant-garde flavors in the album. But the old Selena kind of emerges in a variety of places, especially in songs like "Leopard Skin," "Vespa," and "Quarantine," which songs that seem to be the connective tissue between this one and Caruso's brain. Guitar pedals, effects pedals that were sort of key in the sounds of Caruso's brain versus this one. This one, Caruso's brain. I got obsessed with this pedal called the Pixel pedal, made by this guy in the States. Oh, I've got his company called Shoe Pedals. He's awesome,、um, and、uh, I used it a lot because I l- loved loved it. I love the sound. I still do. I still use it live.、Um, and、um, for this record, I did not use a pixel,、um, but I did use a pedal that I have to look at it because ah yeah, the auto bit, the auto bit pedal on、uh, quite a bit on Leopard Skin Vespa and on um, Quarantine um, because I like. Messing with guitar sounds, I don't like traditional guitar sounds, and the auto bit. You, I can't play it live, unfortunately, because it's incredibly unpredictable. <laughs> it's it's like I, I can't figure this pedal out. It's got a lot of knobs and parameters, and we were able to get some very cool sounds we could use in the studio, but live, it's a Wild animal, like <laughs> you can't like. You could play a string, and maybe no sound will come out, or maybe a crazy sound will come out. It's you. It's a crapshoot. Anyway, the both of those songs are sort of like guitar. It's hard to say. I don't know. I was gonna say they're both like guitar-y, guitar-y based songs.、Um, but there's there was so much. So much construction happened in these. I just, I, I, yeah. I'm there. There. I guess energy-wise, they are energetic, sort of, you know, energetic, sort of pop, for lack of a better word, poppy songs,、um, because of their tempo and the song length. Even you know, they're both like three minutes something, energetic for. Four, four time, four on the floor <laughs> songs. I guess, I guess that's that's what makes them accessible in a certain regard. That way, you know.、Mm-hmm. Um, but、uh, yeah, I don't know. I never, I never thought about comparing them to Caruso's brain. I can't. My brain's not finding the connection yet,、mm-hmm. really. Uh, one of the things that you do quite a bit, and you mentioned it earlier, is、um, play with time signatures,、mm. and、um, which which I absolutely love. Um, and I just wonder where that comes from because I, the 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 first time I heard you play with that is several albums ago when you did your version of Rush's Spirit of Radio.、Mm-hmm. Um, do, what is it about playing with time signatures that interests you? I think I've done it from the beginning. I might even have some stuff on my first album 
where I changed, or at least my second one. Yeah, there's some some waltz like uh, things on the first album, I think. Yeah, the first or second album, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I used to be more attracted to six eight time. I used to always have at least a few six eight time songs on an album, but uh, I don't. I've I liked it since the Beatles. I liked it since I figured out what it was. You know, it's like, oh, mm. oh, now what? Like, now everything feels different. Why does everything feel different? Oh, we're in a different time signature. Oh, how cool. <laughs> and now I'm trying to think if you, you mentioned the Spirit of Radio, the Rush cover that I did. Uh, I'm like, oh, of, of course Rush has different time signatures, you know, the art rock band, or, or I mean prog rock, or prog rock prog band, rock, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's sort of the, that's sort of the cornerstone of any prog rock band is you have to have multiple time signatures <laughs> and every, and, the, and, and I'm trying to think of who else has influenced me in that way. I would say the Rio Statics for sure. Um, they, mm. they, are, they don't. Uh, they are not attached to it the same time signature a song starts in to finish the song. Anything goes. I, I sort of like it because I, you, you can get, I don't want to say I get bored, but sometimes I get bored. Like I don't want to, I don't want to mm. just go verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It adds so much more dynamics when you can throw in a different time signature. But to be able to do it, I'm still, I think with this last album, I did it sort of, the best I've done it. Like you have to be able, you can't just do it for the sake of doing it. You have to do it uh, for a reason and you have to do it well. Um, There's, it has to feel like it fits. It has to feel like it fits. I remember when I discovered that um, money by Pink Floyd was in five, isn't it? Five. No, it's seven. It's in seven. Sorry. That's in seven. And I was like, what that song is awesome. Like I just, it's so, it's so perfect. And and it doesn't feel like an awkward seven. I've heard songs in seven that don't feel smooth. And that one just does. It feels smooth. And it's a song by the kinks as well. Strangers, which is by Dave Davies, not Ray Davies. And it's a beautiful song. And the, and the verses are in a different time signature than the choruses, and it feels completely smooth and perfect the way they do it. You don't really notice mm-hmm. it's happening, and it adds a, mm-hmm. just makes the song so much more interesting to listen to. I want to talk about some of the personnel involved in this. Mm. Um, you mentioned the Rios, and I was kind of surprised that I didn't see a little bit of Martin or Dave on this on this album. Yeah. Were you tempted? or Not really, because... Both of those guys play guitar. Martin's got a pretty good home recording set up, but um, I just figured it, I don't need guitar players. Martin was going to help me with the artwork at one point because I was having an artwork uh, meltdown issue, but uh, ended up figuring it out on my own. Because he's done two two covers for you, yeah, uh, two it, album covers for uh, you, correct. right? Correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about Alex Gamble, who you'd mentioned earlier. Mm. A remark 
at what he's done because he's played with or he's worked with the Rios. He's worked with Arkell's Broken Social Scene, Bruce Coburn. And he's also on the development team for some software products such as Native Instruments Contact, which I use all the time. So that's oh. fascinating. What did he bring to the project? Uh he was the audio he was the mixing engineer on Caruso's brain. That's how I met him. Uh, via Chris mm -hmm. Stringer, who produced that album with me, mm -hmm. and um, I'm trying to, f I, I'm trying to honestly trying to remember how I decided to work with Alex on this. Um, I think I, I, I think I, I knew I was ready to be the main producer of my own work finally, um, and. Working with Alex in the mixing of Caruso, it was very effortless, you know. Um, we were working at Stringer Studio Union Sound in Toronto, and um, it was very easy to work with him. Um, he's very open. I felt like I would be allowed to, I don't want this to sound weird, but sort of as a female, sometimes people have the need to share their opinions with you <laughs> even if you don't ask <laughs> shall I say it that way so um and I felt a little bit like it's sort of just a feeling like I felt with Alex okay he's gonna let me produce this and I was a little bit scared and I told him I'm probably gonna ask your opinion way too many times but he always threw it back to me uh and it was actually perfect. So I'm really glad that he was able to work with me on this and that he was also so cool at working uh, remotely with me on this. Um, the, the, it's all troubleshooting. That feels like the whole album was troubleshooting. <laughs> it's like, how do we solve this problem? You're there. I'm here. I want the sound uh, like this. And anyway, it was, uh, yeah, he was, he's fast. He's really nice. He's really open. And he had lots of great ideas when I was stuck. So it was perfect. Yeah. And Doug Friesen, who you've played with uh, for a while, mm. uh, and he's been on uh, some of your, several of your albums as well as playing live with you, is also on this. Why do you keep going back for more with Doug? What is it about Doug? He's he's one of my favorite humans on the planet. I don't. I just love the Mennonites. I don't know what what is it about the Mennonites. I have three friends, <laughs> one two in Toronto, one in Vancouver, all of whom have Mennonite heritage. I discovered this later, and I was like, oh God, hey, they're all Mennonites. Anyway, Doug, regardless of his um, family's religious history, is a very. Uh, he's just one of my best friends. I could spend. It's so easy to spend time with him, and on this record, I just I just knew I wanted him to play bass and he had he always sent me files we were never working together in the same room he had home recording capabilities he's got a very good ear he always his his tastes are sort of exactly the same as mine i i have to give him very little direction i never give him direction with sound um i send him a song he'll send me a track back or a couple of bass tracks ideas and 
most often there's only one more back and forth and then we're done. Then I just edit. Um, because he, he just, he just knows exactly what I want. Mostly. It's amazing. You said sound is potential. I believe art is necessarily evolutionary, inspirational, and inclusive. What does that mean? It means that anything, everything is allowed. Anything goes. It's along the same lines as like allowing mistakes to happen, like inclusivity. I don't want to say no, I don't work with electronic music. No, I don't work with acoustic music. I don't want to make any rules like that. All sounds have potential. I, I, I could I could bang a pen on a on an empty water glass and that could turn into anything. It's uh it's really exciting to me. I, I wasn't around during the Big Bang, but it's called the Big Bang. I think sound is the beginning of the universe, um, potentially. You know, sound, sound waves, uh, I think they're, they're very important. And I don't know anything about the music of the spheres that people talk about. You know, the sounds that planets make out in the universe. They're just the sound of a orbiting orbs. I, I love the idea of experimenting with sound on that gigantic level all the way down to, you know, the tiniest little sounds that atoms make. Mm -hmm. Like people are starting to record these things, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, figure out what frequency this tiny little microorganism makes or what, you know, mm -hmm. this part of an atom. I think all of it is is very exciting and i sort of think it's what we're all made of you know oh i agree i have a similar fascination with sound and uh, on my last um, church of trees album i have a song called pish posh which is uh, um, kind of an, an instrumental and i sourced some of nasa's sounds of the oh, wow. uh, when the satellites whiz by saturn and jupiter they collect sounds and i incorporated some of those in the in that song and just uh, i would love to do more of that it's just it's endlessly fascinating uh, yeah yeah congratulations by the way your album is awesome and it's getting on all these best of the year lists i'm very impressed that's awesome bernard thanks wow it's yeah i mean that kind of validation is uh, is helpful when you sort of slog through well especially someone like you who takes you know uh such a long time in, in that sort of painstaking production to put uh, an album like this together and uh, it's nice and i see that you've got some amazing uh, validation through uh, you know various um music journalists etc and uh, that's uh, you know i congratulate you heartily on that it's wonderful difficult is it to play some of these songs live very is the answer to that i'm trying to figure How out do what do to it? do we I, i've made a trio band here in france uh and the um we use uh we use some of the actual album tracks so i mean i play guitar and sing but it's a different sort of type of guitar playing than most people do it's almost 
percussive sometimes or it's it's very very arranged um and then Tom Meyenberg plays bass and sings and then Victor Telem who's French plays um electronic drums and also tracks from the actual record um we did quite a, a lot of rehearsal to make a set that was representative of the album but that was still live um but yeah it's a bit hard to tour for example flying three people over to canada is expensive <laughs> yeah. Pl yeah. plus instruments plus anyway i'm trying to figure it out I'm trying to figure out if i could do a duo version I will be doing a little, a, a, a few shows in Canada on the West Coast and maybe Toronto and Ottawa, but I'm still figuring out yes. how to do it. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Please tell me when. I will be there with bells on, as awesome. they say. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Tom Meyenberg, uh, I should say congratulations. Thank you. You tied, you tied the knot. Yeah, finally. <laughs> Is it, and you're playing with him, and he, of course, he did... Um, or shot and produced the video for uh, Quarantine. Yes, he fabulous. did. Yeah. And did he also uh, shoot the artwork for the album? He put it together. He he did the layout and put it together. And he did the photo on the inside. Oh, yeah. He did the outside photo. It was a bit of a group effort. It was sort of like the making of the music. It's like a number of people were involved. A, fair, a lot of editing happened also with the artwork and then collage -y things happened. So, yeah, he took the photo for the front cover and then I turned it upside down and cut it in two and then more manipulations happened from other people. And then, uh. and then he did the photo um, on the inside, the insert part of I'm sort of on a shipping container with the graffiti on it um this was an idea I had I was like because we had done a hike up uh up this sort of hill where we found this shipping container with this cool graffiti on it and um I talked to the graffiti artist and he gave us permission to use that um and uh Anyway, that's a collage of three different photos on the interior. The sky is a photo my sister sent. Um, the water comes from my friend George Collins, who lives near Tweed, but it's a photo of water from Newfoundland. And then the other, <laughs> the other part is in France. And then Tom put them all together um, quite, quite expertly. So it looks like one photo. It's, it's gorgeous. Uh, as is this album. Um, it, it is remarkable, as are you. And I can't thank you enough for spending the time with me and talking about this. And I will continue to crow about it as much as I can. Oh, you're kind. <laughs> thank you, Bernard. Thank you for spending the time and uh, much luck. And let's hope it's not another five or six years before the next Selena, <laughs> although it probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> Till that quarter tone. Uh, no, sorry, the microtone album comes out. <laughs> oh, it's been really nice talking with you, Bernard. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been my absolute pleasure.
I freely admit this was one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever done. I can't thank Selena enough for getting on the line with me all the way from the south of France. You can find her album on most streaming services, as well as on her Bandcamp page. For more information, follow her on Facebook at Selena Martin Music, or her website, selenamartin.com. Until next time, I'm Bernard Fraser saying stay safe, and please support local independent artists. Ooh, this very small, so new.